Welcome everybody to the Sports Be with Richard Holdridge. How is everybody doing on this Friday? Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM out of Noonan. And we have got a jam-packed show for you today. But I had a late night last night. So I got in at about 1 in the morning and I was helping call the game for the Columbus Chattahoots, taking on the Gainesville Gold Diggers with Tom Callahan on this radio station. And it wasn't the result we wanted, but hey, the Columbus Chattahoots are still in first place in the SBL and they get ready for a two-game series against the Atlanta Crackers who have won three straight. We do have a great show because I have two more guests today. My first guest is from the Chris Vernon Show. As many of you know, I went to college with Chris Vernon, and he has a very talented co-host by the name of John Roser, and his personality really fits what I like about sports broadcasting, and he was a fun guy. It was a fun interview, and I was really blessed that John Roser was able to take time out of his busy schedule and join the show. And then in the bottom of the hour here on the Sports Beat, I have yet another talented head football coach in the Chattahoochee Valley trying to build off of what his team did last year. It's Troop County's head football coach, Tanner Glisson. Troop County went 12-2 last year. They went to the semifinals, lost to Benedictine, who went on to win the state championship. And he is excited. I'm excited about Troop County football as they are one of the top teams in 4A with Teo Todd coming back. And they've got Noah Dixon, Qua Birdsong. they got an incredible team and that was a great interview. I'm going to have Coach Glisson on as well. But just a reminder for everybody out there that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. This is also going to be my high school football show. Not only do I have a high school football coach on the show, I am going to recap week five in high school football in and around the Chattahoochee Valley. So let's get into the show. I'm going to start off with SBL baseball because last night at Ivy Watson Field, all the way up in Gainesville, Georgia, you know that's three hours away from Columbus. That was a very long drive, and Columbus ends up losing to Gainesville 6 to nothing, and Columbus falls to 6-2 in the SBL. Gainesville goes to 6-2, and they are now tied in the SBL with a 6-2 record. And the Chattahoots are back in action tonight at Historic Golden Park. First pitch, 7.05. Tom Callahan will have the call. I will be across the street from Historic Golden Park at the Columbus Civic Center because the Columbus Lions are going to be action, taking on the Peach State Cats in an American Indoor Football Alliance game. The Columbus Lions are 4-0, and they are hoping to continue to extend their winning streak as Head coach Chris McKinney has done a great job with the Columbus Lions this season. I mean, they practically got NAL players. And I know the NAL is in the news because, you know, they dismantled the Albany Empire because former NFL wide receiver Antonio Brown drove the franchise into the ground, but that's neither here or there. What the Columbus Lions are doing is sustainable. And the fact that they are going to be in the Columbus Civic Center for the next five years, we expect the Columbus Lions to compete every year and possibly one day get back into the NAL or another indoor league. All right, moving on, let's switch gears. Let's talk about the Atlanta Braves because last night they were able to defeat the Colorado Rockies 8-3 and yet another great pitching performance by the rookie Phenom. 
A.J. Smith Shaver, he pitched five and two-thirds. He gave up three runs. He had 99 pitches. And the Atlanta Braves are now 43-26. and 26. They will take on the same Colorado Rockies team today at Truist Park. Today is the day for the College World Series in Omaha, the double elimination tournament. You got eight teams remaining. And today at 2 p.m., right when this show starts, you got Oral Roberts taking on TCU. Later tonight, you got the Virginia Cavaliers, who won the College World Series back in 2015. They are taking on the Florida Gators, the overall number two seed. And then tomorrow, you got the Stanford Cardinal taking on the overall number one seed, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And then a classic SEC matchup between Tennessee and LSU. Tennessee back in the College World Series after losing into the Super Regionals last year. They were the overall number one seed last season. And the longtime Tennessee Volunteers fan Brad Page is going to be on the show next week. So I'm excited about that, welcoming back Brad Page to the show, my former co-host at the Up All Night Show. All right, you got the U.S. Open going on, and Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley both shooting 62s. They are tied atop of the leaderboard with a minus 8. They are set to tee off. Ricky Fowler is going to be teeing off about 132, so he's going to be teeing off when this show starts. And then Xander Shoffley is going to be teeing off at 154. You got Wyndham Clark at minus 6, Dustin Johnson also at minus six, Brian Harmon at minus five, and Rory McIlroy is at minus five. The U.S. Open in the Los Angeles Country Club is on, and it is a tradition to watch the U.S. Open on Father's Day weekend. Such a great sporting event. It's a lot different than the Masters. The U.S. Open, the crowd is different than the Masters. The Masters is a little bit more prestigious and you don't have the rowdy fans in Augusta. The U.S. Open, you have your typical sports fan with the baseball cap backwards, wearing a t-shirt, yelling, you the man, Tiger. I absolutely love it because it allows the common man to enjoy golf. All right, before I get into my guest, it is Friday, and I was going to dedicate a Friday to just go over the schedule for high school football in the Chattahoochee Valley. This week, I'm dedicated this show to week five. And first of all, I'm doing this off of max preps. So coaches, update your max preps because some of these private schools don't have the official schedule out. We only have a couple of games. But we're going to start week five. It starts September the 15th. The first game that's going to be at Kinnett Stadium is Shaw and Columbus. Now, Columbus defeated Shaw last year. Shaw's got their first-year head coach, Johnny Garner, trying to lead the Shaw Raiders back to the playoffs. And they're taking on a Columbus Blue Devils team that is in 3A. That's got a tough region, but this is a non-region game, and it's a rivalry game. Anytime Shaw plays Columbus, it is a huge rivalry game to include it in football. All right, now the Jordan Red Jackets, they're going to be playing their game at A.J. McClung Memorial Stadium. They are taking on Region Foe Southwest. And then the Kendrick Cherokees, a rivalry game, as they are going to be traveling down to Otis Spencer Stadium to take on the Spencer Green Wave. You got some road games in the Chattahoochee Valley as Carver is on the road taking on Brookwood. You got Troop County taking on Whitewater. LaGrange is taking on Stars Mill. Northside is going to be traveling to America's Georgia to take on Sumter County. And Carver Montgomery is going to be traveling to Seal, Alabama to take on 
The Russell County Warriors, which under third-year head coach Dylan Griggs, Russell County has lost their defensive coordinator, Kendall Lacey, and they've lost their wide receiver offensive assistant coach, Justin Albert. He's got to replace two outstanding assistant coaches on his coaching staff. I had all three of them on the show last year, and so I wanted to throw that out there because they have done a great job with Russell County, and I know that Popcorn Tarver, he's coming back for his sophomore season, Robert Calhoun is coming back for his senior season. And I know that he's going to be battling for that starting job with Mitchell Green. And I can't wait to see Russell County football. And you also have Robert E. Lee that's traveling to the Duck to take on Auburn High School. All right, so what we are going to do now is we are going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. We're going to pay some bills. And when we come back, I'm going to have John Roser from the Chris Vernon Show. He's coming on the show. Don't go anywhere. It's the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. We'll be back. The Baxters have a new first book. From number one New York Times bestselling novelist Karen Kingsbury, author of life-changing fiction, comes The Baxters, a prequel. The heart-pounding story of Carrie Baxter's wedding. Amidst family tension and the worst storm Bloomington, Indiana has seen in a decade. The Baxters, by America's favorite inspirational storyteller, Karen Kingsbury. Visit KarenKingsbury.com for more information. The Baxters, available now wherever books are sold. I'm pretty handy around the house but now that i have kids i don't want to spend my saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner but thankfully there's home advisor home advisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project you can read reviews of the pros check their availability and even book appointments online and what my wife loves most is that home advisor is completely free to use go to homeadvisor.com or download the free app to get started home advisor Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We are back on the show, and I have got a very special guest on today's show. He is one of the co-hosts of a very popular show in Memphis, the Chris Vernon Show. Please welcome to the show, John Roser. Hey, what's up, Richard? Glad to join you, man. Thanks for having me. I'm a huge fan of your show, John. Uh, Your chemistry with you, Devin Walker, Chris Vernon, and the Kelsey Wright Johnson, you guys have such great chemistry. Your show is wildly entertaining. I know that you cater to the Memphis market, but you guys are starting to get a, a national brand. I mean, you're very well known outside the Memphis market. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, some things have uh, helped with that. You know, we had um, Kevin Garnett in studio when he was in town with TNT doing stuff. Uh, Tony Allen brought him in studio, and that helped kind of uh that video's got so many views now on youtube Uh, youtube really has helped everything um obviously the masters updates have been huge and um those have made you know some national waves on social media and everything but 
Um, YouTube really has helped everything because YouTube is just like see, it's the world. I don't have kids, but everybody I know like that has kids, they they say their kids, their kids like don't watch television. They watch YouTube. They watch stuff on YouTube. They just go through YouTube video after YouTube video after YouTube video. Um, and YouTube is, I remember when Google bought YouTube back in like, I don't remember when it was, sometime in like the maybe 2008, 2009, 2000, something like that. And the price that they paid for it, everybody thought it was insane. And now you fast forward like 10, 15 years and it's like that they underpaid if like they wanted to sell YouTube now, it would, I mean, God knows how much it would go for. So um, shout out to YouTube for that. Cause I, I think that definitely contributes to, um, to some of the, to, to some of the success and just being on video and uh, obviously the Memphis Grizzlies and the promotion with them too. So um, there are a lot of contributing factors, but yes, I'd like to think that it is our, uh, our chemistry and our entertainment value uh, that, that does bring uh, a lot of our viewers. John, when did you get your start in broadcasting and when did you first meet Chris Vernon? So same time. It was 2006, um, early 2006. Um, I was taking time off of school. I wasn't really, it's told my parents like, Hey, I'm not really, I'm not feeling this and I don't want y'all to spend the money. Um, if I'm not really going to be into it. And my mom was like, all right, well then you got to get another part-time job or you got to get a full-time job or something. So I went and got a second part-time job. And while I was, uh, Working two jobs, I decided to, uh, with the pushing from a friend, uh, get an internship at a radio station in town. It's the one that Chris worked at. It was AM 730. They had only been around for like six, seven months, and they were doing interns. And you didn't have to have it for college credit, which was perfect because I was I was uh, taking some time off from college. And uh, Chris was the only local show that I listened to, really, because he's the only one who was like young. You know, it was a lot of older people that were doing sports talk in Memphis. And so Chris was really the only one I listened to because he was young and funny and I could relate to it. Um, so I just started talking with him. I just made it a point to introduce myself and start talking to him. And uh, he, you know, just kind of took me under his wing and I tried to learn the best I could from him. And now he's uh, fast forward like 17 years now. See, I'm even losing track of time how long we've been together. Um Fast forward this long, and he's uh, he's my best friend in the world. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's crazy how it goes. But uh, yeah, 2006, I got an internship, and I just worked around the clock. I would do, um, I'd go to work. It was what's the easiest way I can get on the air? And they had a morning show at the time, and it was like a, I think the show started at like 7 a.m. Everybody wanted all the other interns wanted to do afternoons. I said I'll do mornings if it helps me get on the air faster. Because my other job was at night. So I started, I would go in at 5 a.m. to a trailer in West Memphis. That's where they broadcasted from was a trailer, like a trailer, like literally a trailer in like the middle of a field. Um, it's like something out of a scary movie where it is like bad stuff happens here. Or like, you know, it, it yeah. So I ended up there and, uh, you know, it's the fastest way I got on the air. And then, you know, I got in with Chris and Chris was like, hey, I want you to be, you know, come in and start working with my show. So I'd come in in the afternoons 
and uh, I'd start doing that. I, so I was doing like their time. I'd do 5 a.m. to like 11 a.m. or noon. Then I would go to the offices that they had. And Chris did his show from the offices. And I'd go there from like 1 to 5, 5.30, 1 to 6. And then I would drive to my job from 7 to midnight, my actual paying job from 7 to midnight. I did that every day for about six, seven months, every day. Um, And then I got hired and I was able to quit that other job, that the actual job that I hated, I was working at like a call center, you know, it's just a means to an end just to get a paycheck and be able to pay for food and things like that. Um, And so I got hired and started getting paid and then just kind of slowly worked my way up. You know, it's taken a long time to get to this point. So I'd tell anybody uh, who's coming out of college or, wants to get into this, you know, like it's cliche to say patience is a virtue, but it really is like, you can't expect it all to come out to you and you'd be making, you know, great money or good money or decent money, like right out of the gate. It's not my first time I got hired. I was making six, $7 an hour. And then my first salary in radio was like 18,000 a year, which is nothing like, no, I mean, more than that now, but it's it's taken me 17 years to get to this point. You know, it's a process. Absolutely. And with you being at the Chris Vernon show, you can catch it on Grind City and Media on YouTube or you can download it on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform. It's a very entertaining show. And Chris Vernon is a personality. And I knew that he was going to be a star. And John, we have talked before uh, you got on this show. I went to college with Chris. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And we had some broadcasting classes together. And he was wildly talented back then. And he had such a very unique personality. And it works for what he's trying to do in Memphis. And I'm a huge fan of your show. And you guys really just make it work. Yeah, you know, we try. We try to, um, you know, it's one of those things like we do uh like it's not like we don't we're not like trying to be funny um i think it just you know it kind of happens like we all like all three of us chris myself devin devin joined the show back in i think 2013 14 as an intern and then obviously when chris left 92.9 um i had to wait out my contract there devin got hired at 92.9 and then when my contractor was up, I left. Devin didn't have a contract, so then we were able to bring him over back over with us too. So it's just one of those things. Like, it's not that we're trying to just like we go in like writing jokes down. Like this is what we're saying today. It just stuff just kind of happens, and it's we're we're just three. We like to laugh. All three of us like to laugh. Like we'd rather laugh than talk about something serious. We'd rather goof around. So. Um, you know, and we also think, you know, a lot, there are a lot of people who work jobs where they sit at a desk all day or they have to drive around um, for their jobs all day and they don't really love it, you know? And so we kind of hope that we can be a little bit of a break from that. Maybe we give you an hour and a half a day where, uh, you know, you laugh. It is a perfect time slot. And, one of the two things that I like about the show on Mondays, I like it when you do 10 things 
where yep. you get you get into what what did you watch over the weekend? I mean, you get into pop culture, you get into music. I mean, you all have the same interests, and I can relate to what you guys are talking about because we all are from that same generation. And then on Thursdays, I love it when you guys do fill in the blank sucker. That yeah. is such a funny, funny bit, and it really works for what you guys are trying to do. Yeah, we've done it for a long time, too. So much so, there have been some national shows that have kind of stolen that from us. Not the same way, but they play the same game. Um, but, yeah, no, we, uh, we, you know, look, we've got some stuff that we're working on, too. We're trying to make the show bigger. Um, we've kind of added, uh, we've got a girl, Jenna, who we love Jenna. She, uh, Jenna Broyles, she's kind of like the uh, the mom of the show she's behind the scenes kind of keeping some stuff together for us and so that you know so we've added someone new to the staff to our staff so we're really trying to build it and make it something bigger and uh jenna keeps us all organized because we all have so much other stuff going on that it's you know it's difficult to keep everybody together all the time so she keeps a lot of stuff organized for us so that's something that we've done to kind of help make the show better even though you really can't tell it on the air it's it's helping us behind the scenes and um we've got some other things that we're we've planted seeds with that you know we hope eventually grow a little bit and uh you know make the show bigger but uh the hope is in the next year that the show is different than it is today not in like uh not meaning like it's going anywhere it just you know things we want to do to try to make the show better well, John, all eyes are on Memphis. Just after the NBA Finals ended and the Denver Nuggets win their championship, the ruling on John Morant's suspension, and you guys are the in the heart and center of it right now. This is a national news story, yeah. and a lot of people tune in to your show to get all the Grizzlies news updates. Yeah. Um, man, I'm so tired of talking about John. <laughs> oh, I know. I I had to bring it up because you guys are out of Memphis. I mean, that's yeah. Oh, I know, I know. So it's like I, I mean, it's not, it's not just like media members asking you about Ja. It's family members, friends, all the time. They just want to ask, and I'm like, I don't know any more than you do. Um, yeah, because they they think you guys have the breaking story that that you guys actually have an inside insider that knows I, how many games know. he's going to get. Yeah, I don't know. I've I have said on the air, I think it's going to be 20 to 25 games, and there's going to be stipulations. Um, there's going to be some other stuff in there. I don't know what they are. I think, I think my personal opinion is that the news is going to come Friday. I okay. Think, well, I think it'll come Friday afternoon. That's my guess. Because they were originally, it felt like they were going to release it before the finals started, and then they decided Silver said they're going to do it after the finals. Uh, well, Denver's parade is Thursday, so you figured you want to give them, let them enjoy their parade day, and then so the Friday five o'clock news dump. But maybe it comes today. Maybe it comes tomorrow. I, I mean, I all I know is when it does come, I won't even have to look at Twitter. I'll just be able to look at my phone and have a, I'll have a million text messages, and that'll be that. So um, I tell people like your guess is as good as mine, you know. And you just hope there's a uh, hope there's a learning experience because I think there's some. Um, I think he's. I think I do. I think people are have been too hard on him. I mean, to a certain extent but not everybody knows him. And so like a lot of people that are not around him or anything and just social media commentary, they don't, some people don't, yeah, they don't view him as a human. 
you know, like he's larger than human because he's a superstar NBA athlete. But it appears the guy's really been struggling with some stuff. And, you know, five years ago, you're not famous and nobody knows who you are. And now you're literally of all the young stars in the NBA. Like I was he is more popular than Luka Doncic. Luka's awesome and Luka's insanely popular. Kids like Ja more than they like Luka. They like Luca's shoes go on sale and nobody buys Luca's shoes. Josh's shoes go on sale even throughout this. Those hungers went on sale a couple weeks ago, sold out like that. They sold out like that in less than 10 minutes. His popularity is, is big. Well, you may not think he's a better player than Luca, which I mean, I tend to think Luca's better, but I also I love Jason Tatum. Ja's not more popular than Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's not more popular than Ja. Like, he is – it's a different level of stardom that he has, and I think there is something where he's struggling to deal with it, and it appears there are some issues there, whether it's mental health or whatever else. And, you know, I think uh, having some empathy for him and recognize him as a human who may be going through a difficult time, I know it's tough he, when he has millions of dollars. It's tough to have that about people, to feel that way about people, but – you know, everybody deals with situations and deals with things differently. And I, you know, I pray for him and I, w- I wish him the best because there's a ton of talent there. And it, it appears like some of the fame is he's it's it's struggling with him a little bit. Um, and I, and I hope uh, I hope whatever the issues are that he that he gets it, uh, that he's able to work it out and find some peace. And, you know, we see him on the court and he's, you know the job that we all know and love to watch play basketball. There is nobody in, I will stand by that. There isn't one player in the league, except for maybe Steph Curry. That is more fun to watch than Ja. Oh, absolutely. You know, John, uh, something about me that you didn't know. I actually lived in Memphis in 2005 and uh, I, some of the sporting moments uh, I saw D'Angelo Williams at the Liberty Bowl. No, the, it was a third. It was a rare Tuesday night game. They were playing UAB. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I don't know if you remember that. And I don't I, remember the 2005 Memphis football UAB game. No, I don't. <laughs> it, yeah, but D'Angelo Williams. I mean, he he, he had a kind of a Heisman campaign uh, back in 2005 with head coach Tommy West, and and then John Calipari's Memphis Tigers. That whole dynasty, because I, I think that that was a dynasty. They went to three straight Elite Eights. With players like Rodney Carney and Derrick Rose, Chris Douglas Roberts, Joey Dorsey, Sean Williams, that, yeah, they oh had, yeah, that was such they, a they fun had team. Robert Dozier, yeah, they had Antonio Anderson. They had a squad. They yeah, did that, okay. that whole group was in there. Tyreek Evans was his last year. They only went to the Sweet Sixteen that year, but no, they had um, they had a team. They had some teams there. But those those last four Calipari years, it was Elite Eight. Elite Eight championship game, Sweet 16, I think, his last four years. And they were uh yeah, they had so Calipari had some squads here and they were they were starting to roll, and then you know the Kentucky job came open because that Kentucky team that he had his first year, I mean, that was gonna be Memphis's team, the Demarcus Cousins and John Wall. Like those guys were coming here. Cousins was committed, Wall was going to come here. Um, he's even said as much, like he was coming to Memphis. And, um, yeah, so it, you know, 
it just, uh, you know, he left and went to Kentucky. And then, uh, yeah, the Grizzlies got cracking around 2011 when Zach Randolph and uh, all those guys, when they beat the Spurs in the first round. Big upset in 2011 and then going to the Western Conference Finals in 2013. However, they did get swept by the Spurs. And Memphis is just a great sports market. I mean, you also got the Showboats. I know that we're big football fans here in the South. I know that the Showboats had a pretty good win streak. And then uh, the indoor soccer team, because, you know, I call games for the Columbus Rapids. There's an indoor soccer team called the Memphis Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was able to call some games there. Uh, Tim Van Horn does a great job as the play-by-play announcer. Uh, I I do miss Memphis. I mean, you guys are really uh, keeping it real down in Memphis, and I I really am a fan of your show. And uh, I definitely got to tell Chris I say hi. I don't know if he remembers me from college, but uh, I think of him as as really – as a mentor, somebody that I wanted to inspire to be as a broadcaster because he really paid his dues. He did his internships and he was able to get the breaks. And now he is just a star in this industry. No, absolutely. He's the best. Chris is the absolute best. Um, he's always there for you. Um, he's the best. I mean, he's my best friend. So, it's, you know, I love the guy to death. I love his, uh, his family. I love his kids. Um, He's the best. I can't like. It's, it's tough to put into words sometimes, like how much Chris means to me. It's it's tough. It's tough to do sometimes. It's it's you know, get emotional sometimes talking about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, he's the best. He's the absolute best. All right, John. Before I let you go, you are a one passionate San Francisco 49ers fan, and I just want to say from one 49er fan to another, bang bang. I- I love the passion that you bring to the airwaves when the 49ers win, you know, when the 49ers lose, you embrace it. But I, I am so optimistic that Brock Purdy is throwing again. He will be cleared August the 20th. He will be the starter week one. I mean, that's a tough game week one. They got to play the Steelers in Pittsburgh. No, that is that is not an easy game. The first couple games of that schedule are not easy. No, they're not. And opening at Pittsburgh is not like who knows? Maybe Kenny Pickett's better. Like he might be. And I I don't like we lost opening weekend to the Bears last year, of course, in a monsoon, but like I don't know what to think about this season. Like I know we're loaded with talent. But we're we're getting older now. We got we're starting to get a little older. We are loaded with talent. There is no doubt about the talent we have. So, um, you know, when you've got Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey, um, Trent Williams blocking your blind side, like Kyle Juszczyk, there it is. It's virtually, it should be virtually impossible for a quarterback to not look good when you have all that, when you have all those weapons, and then you got Shanahan calling plays for you. Um, I think they'll probably go ten and seven. That's my guess. Is ten and seven? Um, they got a tough, tough schedule. They do have a tough schedule, and I think, uh, I think Seattle's going to be pretty good this year too. I think Seattle, Seattle made the playoffs last year. I think Seattle's going to be better than they were last year. I think they had a great draft. I think they did some free agent stuff that's really good. I think they they had a good draft the year before and I think those guys are going to be a year better also. Um and so I think uh yeah, I think Seattle's going to be better. The Rams are going to be terrible and the Cardinals are going to be god awful. The Cardinals might the Cardinals probably be the worst team in the league. Um the Cardinals are going to be just, I mean, bad, bad. Uh, 
but I do think it'll be San Francisco and Seattle for the division. So, um, look, it's one of those things like I'm like, we've been good. I still firmly believe we would have beaten the Eagles by double digits. If Brock Purdy didn't get hurt. Like if you paid attention to the plays that the Niners were running early in that game, it's they, they had the Eagles defense figured out. They had them figured out on the play. Purdy got hurt. I mean, he's got Ayuk's wide open where he's throwing in the ball. Ayuk's going to catch that ball, and he's going to turn up the field and go. Um, they had their defense figured out. And if you look at it, like Jalen Hurts and those guys, they did not have long drives against the 49ers defense. It was all short field stuff from turnovers because 49ers didn't have a quarterback. <laughs> they didn't have any quarterback, yeah. quarterback in the game. So um, George Kittle even said in the offseason, he said they got once Purdy went down, he goes, we had our playbook was diminished to about 10 to 15 plays and they were all running. There's nothing we could do. Wow. Um, there was no versatility with our offense. So I think we're uh, I think we're loaded with talent. We'll see, though. Um, we do have injury issues from time to time. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to see. um uh, Traverius Ward back at corner and Diamador Lenore is one that I think some people are expecting to take a leap this year at corner for the Niners. Yes. Or Lenore. Uh, that's one of the reasons they felt okay letting Emmanuel Mosley go, who was out for most of last season with a torn ACL. That hurt him too, um, at losing him. But uh, yeah, you know, I think, I think they got the talent to win it all. We'll See if it happens. You know, it's not easy to win the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, I just like having – I just like them being good because I remember the stretch there after, like, Steve Young, Jeff Garcia, before Jim Harbaugh got there. They had, like, one eight-and-eight year with Norv Turner as um, Alex Smith's offensive coordinator. But other than that, like, until Harbaugh got – like, they were just – they had a bad, bad stretch. Like, it was just horrible, a like, year after horrible year. Um and then we had some bad years between Harbaugh and Shanahan and the first couple of years of Shanahan. Oh yeah. Well, Chip I mean, Kelly, like, Jim Tom Sula. So. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm, I, I just like seeing the team be good. Like I, I recognize as long as Patrick Mahomes is in the league, it's not going to be easy to win the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, I just enjoy being able to watch a team on Sunday. That's good, you know, and is actually can play competitive football. So, um, yeah, but we got a ton of talent, so I hope we win it all. But I haven't started stressing myself out about that yet. I have too. <laughs> uh, John, uh, before I let you go, tell all my listeners where they could find you on social media and where you can watch or listen to The Chris Vernon Show. Uh, social media, I don't really do a whole lot on it anymore, but uh, tw- I just mainly retweet a lot of stuff. Um, my tweeting all the time days are I, – I tweet every now and then, though. But uh, at John, J-O-N underscore Roser, R-O-S-E-R. And then uh, um, Chris Vernon Show, Monday through Friday, grindcitymedia.com, the uh, grindcity – youtube.com slash grindcitymedia. We are live at noon. Every day, um, audio and video, youtube.com slash grind city media. We are live every day at noon. You could just type in Chris Vernon show on YouTube and it'll pull up the live link or any past shows. They're all there too. So you can go watch any of them. Thank you, John, for being a guest on the show and uh, hope to get you back on soon. Yeah, absolutely, Richard. Thank you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. All right. That was John Roser. He is one of the co hosts of the Chris Vernon show in Memphis. And it's starting to get a national brand, too. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening to another 
episode of the Sports Bee with Richard Holdridge, and we are out of here. Have a great day, everybody. When you really need something to get you through a long graduation ceremony, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are there to give you a thrill. With varieties like Trolley Sour Bursting Crawlers, the worm's soft and chewy texture, surprising flavor combinations, and neon bright colors will give everyone a reason to celebrate. So when you want to notch the festivities up a couple degrees, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are the perfect way for everyone to celebrate. Shop now for any trolley that crawls your way. This is Austin Black, and I am the host of Behind the Tunes. Have you ever wondered about the stories behind your favorite songs and the journeys of those that sing them? Each week, we invite you to go behind the tunes and step into the stories behind your favorite Christian artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Hey everybody, this is Andy Crispin. Join me this week for worship as I play two hours of the best in modern worship music from churches and worship leaders around the world. And this week, my special guest is Blake Goss of New Spring Worship. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I'm making ways in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For us, that scripture came alive because he did a new thing actually in an old place. You don't want to miss a moment of this week's worship with me, your host, Andy Crispin. WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. Home of Southern Sports and Talk. Noonan, Sharpsburg, Franklin. We are back. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I am your host, Richard Holdridge. I can't believe we're like 60 days away from high school football. But today on the show, as I've been bringing some high school football coaches along, you know, just previewing high school football coming up, one of the best in the Chattahoochee Valley to do it. It is the Troop County head football coach, Tanner Glisson. Coach, welcome to the show. Hey, Richard, thank you for having me, man. I really do appreciate it. I've been watching some of your episodes and all, and I'm, I'm honored to be on. Coach, I had you on the show last year. You had a very special season, 12-2, and two, made it to the semifinals, but lost to the two-time state champion, Benedictine. Tell everybody what was so special about that season last year. You know, I think the most special thing was, you know, we were coming into a new region. And coming into this new region, it was a loaded region. Um, you know, changing over from typically being down there with Carver and those guys down in Columbus area, moving into a new region with Whitewater, Stars Mill, The Grange, Trinity Christian, uh, Riverdale, uh, all those teams. I think out of our region, every single team except for one coming in had made the playoffs the year previous. And so, you know, our goal was just to get in the playoffs. We had no aspirations to win the region championship and, uh, and to go on that run and to win the region championship. It was the first one here in 36 years. Uh, so that was a big, big deal for us. And, and then to make it all the way to the semifinals, uh, we tied the school record for wins, which we actually set in 2018 when we went to the semifinals uh, to tie that record. It, it was one of those things where we knew we had a, a really strong junior class. We just didn't know how quickly they would develop and be ready to go. And, and so as the year went on, they, they got better and we stayed healthy and uh, made a good run. I had the privilege of seeing one of your games uh, last year as, you know, I work up in LaGrange. So I went down to Callaway Stadium and lo and behold, uh, you were able to defeat North Clayton 63 to nothing in a, in a crazy Thursday night doubleheader with LaGrange. I don't know why they, 
they made everybody leave one side of the stadium and all the LaGrange fans came and like an hour later, but and I was hoping to see both games, but uh, you had one special quarterback, Teo Todd. Uh, he was a human highlight film last year. Uh, uh, but, you know, before I, I mean, cause you don't have the official roster yet. You can't say like, who's going to be on the team. You still have right. spring practices, but uh, can we assume that Teo Todd's coming back? Yeah. Yeah. We can assume that. Okay. That's yeah, good. He was the, uh, he was the uh, quad A offensive player of the year. Um, I think he threw for 2,500 and ran for 2,200. And, and, and some of those games in that game that you saw, he probably only played a few snaps, um, you know, and, and get him out of there because he's so valuable to us. And uh, no, no, he's one of the best players that I've had in 24 years. Uh, I think you can absolutely assume that he'll be taking snaps this year and gives us a good chance. A very special season last year. I mean, just going through the 2022 season – you're able to defeat Callaway. I mean, that was a big rivalry. Uh, Harris County, you talked about Harris County being a big rival. You opened with Harris County this year at Callaway Stadium. You were able to beat them 33 to nothing last year down in Hamilton, Georgia. And you talked about how tough this division is. Getting wins over Whitewater and Stars Mill. Getting wins over Whitewater and Stars Mill was huge. And also you know, that, that playoff run as a number one seed on the road, defeating Holy Innocence Episcopal. But, you know, th this team that you have for 2023, do you think that they could compete for a state championship in 4A? Well, you know, on paper, I, th I think you could say yes. Um, you know, the deal is we only lost four starters um, from a year ago. And so on paper, I, I think we have a really good shot at it. Um, however, every year is a, a new year. It, it's a different year, and guys have to stay healthy. They have to stay hungry. Um, you know, we had a lot of things go in our favor last year um, that kind of led us to that point. So, you know, ho hopefully we've got a good shot at it. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, the biggest deal is we got to be focused on the moment and one game at a time and put ourselves in a good position coming out of this region as either the one seed or the two seed to, to make a run. Coach, last season, one of the biggest games in Troop County, that LaGrange-Troop County game at Callaway Stadium, which, I mean, it, it seems like anytime Troop County plays Callaway, LaGrange, it's like the whole town of LaGrange comes out to Callaway Stadium. And LaGrange desperately needed it bad to get into the playoffs. I mean, this was your only one loss in the regular season. How bad did you want to beat your arch rival? And Knowing that you still you locked up the number one seed last year, Lagrange needed it to get into the playoffs. Was that one of the reasons why that that the team lost to a Lagrange team that was desperate to try to get a win? Uh, you know, possibly so. You know, I think the big deal is the week before we played Trinity Christian for the region championship, and that was such an emotional big deal for us. Like I said, it hadn't been done in thirty six years. And uh, and also, too, I, I think it was kind of the perfect storm for LaGrange. Uh, we had beat them six years in a row. And so I think they were, you know, probably tired of, of that happening and getting beat six years in a row. And they were desperate to get into playoffs. And they really just wanted it a little bit more than we did. Uh, you know, we, we had the lead all the way up until a minute and 50 seconds left to go in the game. And then we throw a, an interception down there on the goal line uh, coming out of our own end zone, uh, which was, you know, probably more on us than it was – you know, our quarterback and, and, uh, but hats off to them. Uh, anytime those two teams get together, it really doesn't matter records or what's on the line. It is really, it's Auburn, Alabama type, uh, you know, environment. Uh, there's, there's a lot that goes into play, a lot of pressure on kids and we just didn't play our, our best football, but to be honest with you, 
I'm not making any excuses for that game. But if we had not lost that game, I do not believe we would have went on the run to the semifinals because we ended up in round one with New Hampstead, round two with Cairo, and even round three with Holy Innocence, having to put those guys away at the end of the game. You know, those were all one drive, two drive games at the end of the ball game that we learned from the LaGrange experience and put a lot of emphasis on finishing games due to our loss in that game. So I, I think that really in the long run really helped us. We never like to lose those guys, and we've got a great record against them since I've been here. We're six and two against those guys. However, I think that really did help us down the road. We learned a lot from it. And going on to the semifinal game down in Savannah, Georgia, you took on a Benedictine team that won the state title in 4A. They beat Carver the year before. Losing that game 42-21, to 21, what were some of the lessons learned from losing to the eventual state champions? Yeah, well, that, that's actually the second time we've lost to them in the last five years. Um, the previous time we went on the road at their place, we had to lead in the fourth quarter in that game and and couldn't finish it. Um, but this year was a different story. Uh, they came out and hit us in the mouth quick and, and, and early and jumped on us. And we were really not prepared for the moment. The, the way I hoped that we would have prepared. Um, so I think it was a good learning experience for us. We went on the road. We spent the night in Statesboro at Georgia Southern the night before. So it was all different out of our routine. They were clearly better than us. So not making any excuses in that. In that. I, you know, I just – I felt like we should have played better and it should have been a little closer ball game. Uh, hopefully we've learned a lot from it. You know, we got a lot of experience coming back from guys that were on the field that night. Um, I think we've got out of the 22 starters, I think we've got 18 that were on the field that night coming back. Uh, so hopefully we've learned. We've learned as coaches. we learned as players. Uh, hopefully one day we win one of these coin tosses. We, we don't have to go on the road down there. You know, uh, that being a one versus one matchup, we had to travel in four hours to Savannah is a big deal. So maybe we'll get one of those to go our way. All right, let's talk about the spring practices leading up to the spring game against Noonan. And your off-season workouts, as we are two months away from the high school football season, what have the workouts been like? Uh, what are the practices like? How often are you practicing? And uh, what are some of the players that stood out to you? Well, uh, just to mention the spring game, um, you know, we got a lot of guys that we kind of know what they can do. So your, your Teo Taj, your Quay Bird songs, your Noah Dixons, those guys have played a lot of football for us. Teo's been starting since he was a freshman. Uh, so, you know, we really went back, cleaned up some fundamentals in the spring, but we really started harping on uh, a lot of our JV guys, a lot of our younger guys, because we do have 25 fresh uh, seniors this year. Uh, and when those seniors graduate, we want to be able to, to reload, so to speak, uh, and keep this thing moving forward. So we really have been working a lot with the younger kids, uh, trying to build more depth, uh, but also trying to make sure the drop off from 2023 to 24 won't be such a big drop off. Um, this summer, uh, we're doing a lot of seven on sevens. Uh, so we've been to uh, Auburn. Uh, I think we went three, one and one at Auburn. Uh, we went to Georgia Tech just uh, two days ago. I uh, went two and two at Georgia Tech, um, beat Parkview, who won, who won the thing at Georgia Tech. Uh, but then we had a big rainstorm and about a five-hour delay. So we came on to the house instead of trying to wait out five hours. Um, let's say next week we go to a padded camp up at Rockmart. And then in July we go down to padded camp with Thomas County Central. Uh, so that's, that's going to be you know, a good experience for us. We also go to Kennesaw State uh, to a 707 in July. But we're going four days a week. Nothing on Friday. We'll take this uh, Monday off with a coming holiday. Um, but uh, we'll also take the uh, the week of the dead week off, which will be July 4th week. Um, but the guys are working hard. They're in good spirits. They, they 
they know what to do, and we're just trying to work on some speed and quickness, agility type stuff in July, and we'll get into conditioning and uh, uh, actually speed and conditioning will come in July. And right now we're doing a little bit of speed training, I should say, in June. Coach, Troop County, the surrounding schools in Troop County, like LaGrange, Callaway, Hurt County, do they have somewhat of a media days? Like, And I'm, I'm assuming Kevin Eckleberry would be there. Yeah. 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 We do it individually. Uh, we don't have a big media day set, uh, set up where all schools come together. Uh, Kevin Eckleberry does a great job. The Grange Daily News does a great job. Uh, we'll be invited to certain places like down in Columbus to, to, to come down there and, and join some of their media day stuff. But we don't have a big gathering, so to speak, of bringing all the schools together. Oh, we definitely got to get somebody to start that up. I would definitely be there. I do work in the Grange. Uh, Coach, before I let you go. Got to get into the official 2023 football schedule. It came yep. out a couple of a months ago, and I was excited because I was penciling it. Okay, this is the game I want to see, and this is the game that that we could possibly call on the radio, you know, for Muskogee County. But sure. you looking at the schedule, first of all, do you have any uh, jamborees, any uh, practice? Yep. Yep, yep. The uh, the the week prior to opening up with Harris County, we'll go on the road to Hebron Christian, uh, which is up in Cobb County. Coach Guess, who used to be the head football coach over at uh, Elka, uh, over in McDonough, uh, who did a fantastic job up there with those guys. So we'll go play them. Uh, the preseason game, uh, I think, is maybe August sixth, August 9th, whatever that Friday is, preceding uh, Harris County. Well, that's right, because you guys do start very early. They some schools they start their game that first weekend in august yeah yeah i can remember where it when it was started on labor day and uh it wasn't quite as hot on labor day as it is august 9th august 6th all right coach let's get into the schedule the opener august the 18th at callaway stadium against your border rival harris county you defeated harris county 33 to nothing last year Head coach Tommy Watson, his second year coming back. He's got a strong quarterback. I think Levi Watson will be back. Uh, they're going to be losing Kobe Eskew. I think you know he he was their most talented wide receiver. But you take what you did last year, thirty three to nothing, and you know that Harris County is going to give their best shot. Uh, what are some of the things that you see from Harris County that has improved in their uh, second year under Coach Watson? You know, I've known Tommy for a long time, uh, me being at Manchester and him uh, going through, uh, graduating at Upson Lee. I've known him forever, and uh, we have a lot of mutual friends. He does a tremendous job. But, you know, last year we caught him at the right time. You know, we caught him in his game one, uh, and, and he kind of got in there late, kind of got things going a little bit late. You know, he was probably just scratching the surface with the playbook, so to speak. Uh, Tommy's an O-line guy, played O-line, really does a good job coaching O-line. So I think they're going to be a lot better in the trenches uh, than people expect. And so we we really expect them to be a lot better, a lot more physical, because Tommy's a, a hard-nosed football coach. And so uh, I really expect them to be a lot better in year two. Week two, yeah, we're going to go through the schedule. Uh, okay. Week two, you're going down to, I want to say, A.J. McClellan Memorial Stadium to take on Hardaway. I know that uh, that yeah. week you got all three stadiums open down in Columbus. Yeah. Hardaway missed the playoffs last year. They got a new head coach, Coach McKenzie. Uh, they want to get back to their winning ways. I mean, Michael Williams, we all know him, a standout at Georgia, defensive end, and, and they have some great players. Uh, Hardaway's looking to bounce back. I mean, what do you expect going down to Columbus uh, that second week against Hardaway? 
Yeah, that game's a little trap game for us just because it's sandwiched between Harris County and Callaway, which are two of our rivals. Um, you know, and the kids at Hardaway have always been tough, hard-nosed, blue-collar type kids. Uh, so we've always thought, you know, uh, Carver has tremendous athletes and are tough and, and Shaw's starting to get better But in Northside. Uh, but we always thought that the Hardaway type kid was a really tough, physical, hard-nosed kid. And uh, so that that you got to strap it on and be ready to go in that kind of deal because that's going to be a physical football game. And then you play Callaway. It's a road game. I'm going to put in quotations, a road game. But we expect Troop County to fill the other side of the bleachers. Yeah, the home bleachers side is a little bit bigger. Callaway is going to fill their fans. Troop County is going to fill their fans. It's regardless. I mean, it's hard to decide which is the biggest game in LaGrange in the season. Is it Callaway Troop County or is it LaGrange Troop County? And if LaGrange ever, ever played Callaway, that would be a big game, too. But uh, yeah. this is going to be the biggest game in LaGrange, and it's early in the season. You were able to de- defeat Callaway last year. I mean, Callaway did not take too kindly to that. They started 0-3, but they made a deep playoff run. I think what Coach Wiggins has done, he has built a powerhouse in Callaway, winning a state title in 2020. And you know Deshaun Coleman's coming back. I mean, they got a great team. I mean, that's I know that's the game you're penciling to start the season, but, but what do you expect in that game? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a rivalry game, but it's a little bit different rivalry type game. You know, us and LaGrange is kind of like Auburn, Alabama, and I'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But uh, Callaway and Troop is uh, is really a rivalry because both teams are typically really, really good. You know, and, and it's two really good programs against going at each other. I think both programs have mutual respect for each other. Uh, Callaway is going to make a, long, a big run in, in double-A. Uh, hopefully we can make a big run in quad A. Um, you know, so it's a good, clean, old-fashioned rivalry that that each team has mutual respect. And and usually the team that wins that, uh, you know, they have a really good football team. And the team that loses it, uh, you know, learns a lot from it and gets better and uh, and also goes on to make a long run. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's just – if you like to see good high school football, clean, tough, physical football, that's a good game to be in. And then you have the bye, and then you get into region play where we had five outstanding teams and only four made the playoffs. Stars Mill ended up missing out on the playoffs, but that first game on the 15th, you're taking on Whitewater. It's going to be in Fayetteville. And then you turn around, you have to play Stars Mill on Friday at Callaway Stadium. That's another huge game. How important is it to get a good start in region play to try to, if not beat both teams, have a good showing and the two top teams in the region as long along with yourselves. Yeah, no, that's uh, tremendously important. And that bye week comes at a really good time because you're coming off three physical games, coming off the big emotional rivalry game with Callaway. You get a, a, a bye week to prep for wing tee. So uh, Whitewater uh, is a wing tee type team, so is Stars Mill. So you get an opportunity there to, to kind of regroup, to refocus, reset your goals. Both of those teams are tremendously coached. Uh, they're perennial powers. Prior to coming into this region, I think both of them make deep runs in the playoffs in 5A. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Whitewater won the region, uh, you know, and then they finished fourth in our region last year with a, with a lot of seniors. Uh, so that just shows you how tough this region really is. But Chad Frazier does a great job with Whitewater. Um, Chad Phillips does a great job with uh, with uh, Stars Mill. So that's that's a great, great deal there. Uh, great it, it, to get – those wins under your belt is a tremendous feather in your cap. 
And then you go and play three more region games, and you can't overlook these teams. I mean, this region is tough. I mean, you got North Clayton, Riverdale, and Fayette County. And I know that there'll be some preparations. I know you're looking forward to October the 27th. You have to go to Sharpsburg. You got to go in that hostile environment to take on the Trinity Christian Lions, one of the top teams in 4A last year. Uh, the year before, they were in single-A private. They won a state title. But that purple and just the light show and what they have at Trinity Christian, that's definitely a hostile environment. But, you know, the way you were able to beat Trinity Christian last year, I know that they look at that score, 50-15, to 15, and they think that they've, they're making adjustments and they know that they're trying to give every shot to try to beat you in that game. Yeah, you know, and that's what we've talked about around here. Um, there's a lot of people that have put a bullseye on our back, and uh, we got to be prepared for that. Trinity Christian Christian coaching staff is good as any in this region, and they're going to make adjustments. Uh, they're a private school, so they can kind of pull kids from different areas, so they're going to kind of reload, so to speak. Uh, so going up there on the back side of our schedule uh, will be a huge, huge football game. Uh, like you said, that environment's crazy. We played up there in a JV game last year, but we also – scouted on the road up there in a couple of different uh, Friday nights. And it's a really great environment for high school football. And then finally, I'm going to say the second biggest game in LaGrange, it, you're playing your arch rival, the LaGrange Grangers. It is a road game, but it is going to practically be a home game because your fans yeah. are going to fill the bleachers. And, you know, that's actually, do you think that's a break that you get to play Callaway and LaGrange on the road, but it's, it's really a home game because you don't have to travel. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's, you know, us playing, you know, really, you know, you try to balance your schedule with five home, five on the road, so to speak. And but with us, you know, we get to play more games at the stadium, even though we're the visiting team. So, uh, you know, the familiarity with the stadium is a big deal. The travel is a big deal. Uh, we split both of those gates with both schools. Um, so we both get cuts uh, from both of those gates. So, you know, from a financial standpoint, it makes sense as well. And that is going to be the hottest ticket in LaGrange. Uh, I can't wait for those games. Uh, it's going to be exciting. And I know that you got a lot of preparation going into the 2023 season. I wish you nothing but the best of luck, Coach. And I'm hoping uh, that they do bring back that Coach's show. I'm, I'm really a big fan of it That on uh, well, on Tuesdays at your pie in, in downtown LaGrange. Yeah, uh, I think that's Monday night. I might, it's Monday be night, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Monday night, uh, downtown LaGrange, your pie. Uh, all three schools plus the college. Um, so yeah, that, that's a that's a nice night to see everybody go have some good food, and uh, and and we tend to have a lot of success with listeners and, and good crowds there usually on Monday nights. And you know, Coach, I've had Kevin Eckleberry on my show. Uh, nobody's more excited about football in Lagrange than Kevin Eckleberry. I mean, he is just ecstatic. You know that he's going to try to be everywhere you could possibly get, and and he just does a great job covering sports in Troop County. Well, I, I thought I worked hard being the head football and head baseball coach, but uh, Kevin Kevin works harder than anybody I've ever seen. He's at every event from the rec league all the way up to the high school, to college. Um, Kevin does a tremendous job, and we're really blessed to have him in this community. I appreciate you, Coach, taking the time out of your busy schedule, and good luck this upcoming season for Troop County football. Rich, I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. That was the head football coach of Troop County, head coach Tanner Glisson. Thank you, everybody, once again for listening to yet another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, and we are out of here. Bye.
You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.